Turn with me, if you would, to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. John, chapter 1. While you're turning, let me say that there are many passages of Scripture that are the sum and the substance of the Gospel message. And we have such a text before us this morning. Thirteen words that give instruction to sinners on how to be saved. And I might add, without lifting a hand to do a single thing. (laughs) Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Found in verse 29. The dissenter who desires to be saved must look and believe. And if you look, you will live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and he put it upon a pole and it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, what a picture of the serpent of sin. When he beheld the serpent of brass, When he looked to the serpent of brass, he lived. Numbers 21.9 And to make the gospel of God's grace even more amazing and more beautiful is the fact that it's God who gives chosen sinners the grace and the ability to look and believe. My mother used to always say, you've heard me say this, my mother had a lot of sayings. She always say people want a job that has all the work picked out of it. I suppose pretty much everyone would like to have a, a job where you would do nothing and just get paid for. Well, I don't have such a job for you, but I do have such a gospel for you. There's nothing for you to do. All the work's been picked out of it. And the Lord Himself picked it out. He did the work. He's done all the work for you. Just look and believe. Just look and live. Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. I think about those who lay in the wilderness. The poison of sin had permeated their bloodstream. Those bitten by the fiery serpents of in the wilderness, they couldn't lift a hand to do a thing. Poison had already taken effect. They could not raise a foot to come to a doctor. They couldn't speak to ask for help. But they could look. What must they look to? That brazen serpent lifted high on the pole. Behold the Lamb of God. There is a lamb slain from the foundation of the world according to Revelation 13:8. And I want you to look at verse 29 again with me in its entirety. The next day John seeth John the Baptist seeth Jesus coming unto him and he saith, "Behold the lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world." Now, from this verse we can see first that Salvation is not our coming to a preacher or to a priest. 
Salvation is not our coming to the front or to an altar. Salvation is not our coming at all. Yes, we come to Christ. Salvation, though, is Christ coming to us. And it's when we behold Him coming that He makes us able and willing to come to Him. Our coming is never the cause of salvation. It's the result of it. John the Baptist was the last of the great prophets. He did what all the prophets of God did. He bore witness to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what preachers do today. There's no longer prophets. But that's what preachers do. They bear witness to the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts 10.43 tells us to Him, Christ, give all the prophets witness that through His name, whosoever believeth in Him shall receive the remission of sins. That word remission, that's a wonderful word. Um, Especially when it's used in reference to sin. When it's said of someone who has cancer, that they are in remission. That, that's a wonderful thing. It means that at that moment, the cancer's gone. Uh, the intensity of the pain has ceased. It's in remission. The Greek word for remission means freedom, pardon, forgiveness. Isn't that a beautiful word? When it comes to our sin, there's freedom, pardon, and forgiveness. Mark tells us in his Gospel narrative, chapter 1, verse 4, John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. That's the preacher's, the preacher of God's message. That's the Gospel message. Repentance gives freedom. It gives pardon. It gives forgiveness, remission, for the believer's sin, and it comes only in trusting Christ to put our sin away. Are you trusting in Christ to put your sin away? John could have pointed to Christ and very well said, Behold the great example. He could have said, Behold the great moralist. He could have said, Behold the King of a new dispensation. Certainly the Lord was all those things. Well, there's no greater example of what a man or woman should be than Christ. There was never and never will be a greater display of morality ever shown than what our Lord shown. But Christ was the, and Christ was the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. But the knowledge of those things alone will never save a sinner. John proclaimed the Lord Jesus as one who had come into the world to be the sacrifice for sin and the sin of His elect people. Behold the Lamb of God. Look and live. Not behold the great example and be like Him. Not pattern yourself after His great morality. Not even to bow to Him as your King on earth. But behold the sacrifice for sin. The One who can put your sin away has put it away. Behold Him. Look to Him. John beholds and views the Lord Jesus as the great propitiation for sin. That was God's message. 
to sinners. This was John's message in preaching. It's our message today in preaching. Repent, John said, for the kingdom of God is at hand. John was a voice crying in a wilderness. What was he crying? Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Bring forth fruit, meat, or fit for repentance. John knew what every true servant and preacher of God knows. Nothing can be done for sin apart from the Lord Jesus Christ's substitution, sacrifice, and propitiation for sin. No other way to be saved. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh to the Father but by Him. The Lord Jesus must be pointed out to sinners as the only sacrifice for sin that God will accept. And since God only accepts perfection, our sacrifice and our substitute must be just that. Perfect. Perfectly holy, righteous, above reproof, unblameable, unreprovable in God's sight. And that's why John said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Jesus Christ must be, absolutely must be, the subject of all our preaching. If sinners are to be saved from their sin, Jesus Christ must be our message. We must point to Him and Him alone. Thou shalt call His name Jesus, Savior, God is salvation. That's what the name Jesus means. For He shall save His people. From what? From their sin. From their sin. Matthew one twenty one. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none, under, none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Acts 4.12 now what hope of being saved is there apart from the only one who can save from sin? Every believer sees what John saw. Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God. Only He can take away sin. And friends, I mean to be redundant. I mean to be repetitive. And there are two things very significant when we consider the ministry of John. First, he was a man sent of God. Secondly, he had the message of God. In verse 6 we read, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. John was a true messenger because it was the true God that sent him. And God revealed to John who Jesus Christ was. In verse 34, John said, and I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. Mama. That's not talking about physical sight. That's talking about spiritual sight. There were many people who saw the Lord Jesus physically that never knew Him spiritually. There was many that knew Him as a man but didn't know Him as the God-man. They didn't know Him as the Lamb of God, the Son of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. John saw who Jesus Christ was and he bare record of that wondrous truth. He's the Son of God. He's the Lamb of God. And that's what a true witness bears witness of. The Lord Jesus Christ and who He is and what He did, He put away His people's sin. And secondly, a true messenger of God bears witness of what Christ did. 
What did he do? He does, did what he still does. He puts away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Now, does he put away all the sin of all the people in the world? It says, which taketh away the sin of the world. No. No, it doesn't mean that. He takes away all manner of sin that's in the world. Every type of sin that was ever done in the world. Every kind of sin by all sorts of men in the world. From every race in all places of the world, He puts away sin. You know, men and women have been taught all their lives that God loves everybody in the world and that Christ died for everyone in the world. And unless God divinely intervenes and teaches them different, they'll never be untaught. The blood of God will wash away all the sin of all the elect throughout all time, those in the world that it was shed for. To say otherwise is absolutely ridiculous. To say that Christ shed His blood for someone that can still be lost because of their lack of will and their lack of doing is a barefaced lie. It's not what Scripture teaches. It's not what the Bible supports. If you love somebody, you'll pray for them, right? You love your children. You love a family member. You pray for them. But the Lord Jesus said, I pray for them. I pray not for the world. But for them. Who? Those which Thou hast given Me. Those that the Father gave Him. He said, for they are Thine. They belong to You. You gave them to Me. (laughs) They belong to You. Those whom Christ didn't pray for did not belong to God in a saving way. He didn't pray for them. They belonged to Him as their Creator, yes. But they didn't belong to Him as their children. And the Lord even told the Pharisees, you are of your father the devil. Because of what the Baptist said in verse 31. Now look at it. When he said, and I knew Him not, you know, many believe that John and the Lord Jesus didn't know one another. Well, I find that very difficult to believe. They were family members. Mary and John's mother Elizabeth were cousins after the angel appeared to Mary, telling her that both she and Elizabeth were with child. Mary went to see her cousin. You remember that? Before John and the Lord were born. And both of these mothers knew that God had given them special sons. And you just know that their families got together along with their boys. They were only six months apart in age. And when John says that he didn't know the Lord, I believe that he's talking about not knowing the Lord as the sin-bearer. Not knowing the Lord as the Lamb of God. You see, that's got to be revealed. That's got to be revealed to John. It's got to be revealed to you. And it's got to be revealed to me. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. And no doubt that John had admired the Lord Jesus' character while growing up. No doubt that all who knew Jesus of Nazareth as a boy and as a young adult knew there was something special about Him. Why, even when He went into the temple at the age of 12, the uh, elders and the chief priests, they, they were astonished at His understanding and His answers. Astonished. 
I believe that it was apparent to John that there was something spiritual and special about the Lord Jesus. I think that he shrewdly suspected that Jesus was the Son of the Most High. But as a true witness and voice of God, John did not bear witness to his own surmises, even if they were correct. He dare not trust his own speculations or unguided judgments of the Lord Jesus. No, but he waited upon the divine revelation of God. John the Baptist waited upon the Word of the Lord. And many preachers have and still teach things that spring from their own imaginations. Uh, I look at on sermon audio sometimes to find a message by one of the pastors that we know, and uh, I see some of the most unbelievable titles to sermons. My, my. Springing from men's own imaginations. But the true servant of God gets his message straight from the Holy Spirit, and they proclaim with boldness, thus saith the Lord. You see, Tom, that's all that matters. What does the Lord say? Not what I think. Not what I surmise. Not what I believe. But what does the Lord say? Thus saith the Lord. And I know for a fact that true preachers of the Gospel, and I know a few, struggle greatly with the awesome responsibility of speaking for the Lord. One of their greatest fears and concerns is that they might misrepresent the Scriptures that they preach. I once preached a false gospel. And I still shudder to think that I may have led someone astray. My, this is serious business. No wonder Paul said, Woe unto me if I preach not the Gospel. Not if I just preach, but if I don't preach the truth, if I don't preach the Gospel. Paul had once preached another Gospel, which is not another. Now, when the Lord came to be baptized of John in the Jordan River, John, knowing something of the Lord's impeccable character, said, I have need to be baptized of thee. Remember that? But even then, John did not know the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lamb and Son of God. But when John plunged the Lord Jesus into the waters of Jordan, he saw the heavens open, and he heard and he saw a dove descend. And, and land upon the Lord Jesus, and He heard the voice of God saying, This is My beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And He knew Him then. And afterwards, He didn't say, Behold, I think He's the Lamb of God. I'm pretty sure that He's taken away all the sin of the world. That's not what He said, is it? John boldly cried, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. See for yourselves. The Father has given me the sign. Look at verse 30. This is He of whom I said after me, cometh a man which is preferred before me, for He was before me. John was born before the Lord Jesus was physically, but spiritually, He's the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. John said, He's before me. <laughs> He's preferred before me. He was before me. And I knew Him not. 
but that He should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore, am I come baptizing with water. And John bare record saying, I saw the Spirit from heaven like a dove and it abode upon Him. And I knew Him not, but He that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, now look, upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on Him, the same is He which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. This is God. This is God in the flesh. This is the Son of God. This is the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Verse 35, and again the next day after John stood, and two of his disciples, and looking unto Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. And I've read that verse many times, and I just automatically assumed, I guess, that that was speaking of the Lord's future disciples. That's not who it's talking about. That, this is just amazing. These were two of John's disciples. John's office was to point out the Messiah. That's what he was called to do. And when that was done, these two disciples left at once their master and teacher, John, and they followed the long-expected Messiah. What a lesson for us here. Uh, this shows that John was sincere, that he was not desirous of forming a party or of building a, up a church of his own or a following of his own. John was willing that all whom he had that had been attracted to him by his ministry should become followers of Christ. Why well, he said, I must decrease and he must increase. His disciples came to him one day and said, man, this Jesus is baptizing a lot more folks. Our, our business is way down. And he said, he must increase, I must decrease. The object of a true minister of the Gospel should not be to build themselves up of their own interest to extend their own fame. It should be to point men to the Lord Jesus Christ who is the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Preachers, however popular or successful, should be willing that their followers look to Christ rather than to them. And the conduct of these disciples of John the Baptist show us that we should forsake all and follow Christ when He's pointed out to us. When He's revealed to us as Christ, the Son of the living God, the Lamb which taketh away the sin of the world. And we shouldn't delay, but we should leave at once our old teachers and guides and companions and follow the Lamb of God. Are you following the Lamb of God? Our Lord said that in John chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. John 12, 26. Now, John begins this statement of 13 words with that word behold we looked at that last uh, study last sunday and when a man cries behold he sees something 
He sees that some, he sees something with cl- clearness. And he desires for you to see it too. Behold! <laughs> Behold what? The Lamb of God. No, who? <laughs> Behold the Lamb of God. Do you see what John is saying? He's saying this is the Lamb of God. This is God's Lamb. John remembered that the Lord had slew an animal, no doubt a lamb in my mind, and clothed Adam and Eve covering their nakedness. It's the Lord Jesus Christ that covers our nakedness. He's that robe of righteousness that you and I desperately need. John remembered that Abel brought a lamb without spot or blemish. John remembered that Abel sacrificed that lamb before God as a sin offering. John remembered the Paschal Lamb slain on the night when Israel went up out of Egypt. When each man smeared that blood on the doorpost and lintel of his door, and with that blood, God said, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. John remembered that. John remembered Abraham taking Isaac up to Mount Moriah to offer him uh, according to the command of God as a sin offering. He remembered what Isaac said. Father, behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide Himself as a lamb for burnt offering. God provides for Himself a lamb, and God provides Himself as the lamb. It's God whom we've offended, and God must be just in order to justify And this is how He is. God provides Himself as the Lamb. There's no other way for us to be justified. He's a just God and a Savior. Only God could satisfy justice and justify me. John remembered the Lamb spoken of by Isaiah. He's brought as a Lamb to the slaughter. John said, this is He of whom the prophet spake. Behold the Lamb of God. He was saying something here. In light of all the Old Testament types and pictures of the Lord Jesus Christ, John is saying, He's here. He's come. Here He is. Do you see Him? Have you beheld Him? That Lamb is now standing before John and John tells all, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. And it's as if, as if John's eyes looked ahead to the future, ahead in time, and he saw that Lamb in the midst of the throne as it had been slain. And he heard that song sung unto him, Behold the Lamb! Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. You see, under the old covenant, if a, if a man sinned, he said to himself, I, I must go and, and find a lamb. That's the only sacrifice I have as an offering of sin. That was his lamb which he brought for his own trans- trespasses. He either went out into his own flock and got a lamb, or he went to his neighbor and he bought a lamb. And is it not amazing that the one whom all our sin is against... Now hear me. This is very important. It's amazing that the one whom we have sinned against, God Almighty, is the very one that has provided that sacrifice of sin for us. 
The Father took His choice one, His only one, His only begotten Son, our Lamb, our sacrifice, and He delivered Him up for us. We don't have to look for one. He found us. Who was it that sacrificed the Lamb of God? Who was it that bruised Him? Who was it that put Him to grief? Who caused Him to cry, My God, My God, why hast Thou forsaken Me? God did. Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God. He's the Lamb that God always accepts. When you come to God, when you bring Christ with you, you've brought God the only acceptable sacrifice and He will accept it. Every time. Dwell on the blessed truth that the sin of His people was actually laid on Christ. Your sin, if you trust in Him as the sin bearers, the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world, your sin is gone. It's gone. Dwell on that for a bit. Neither angels nor men can stand under the load of sin. It is sink men into the lowest hell. But when the sin of God's chosen people were laid, was laid upon the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, He bore it and He sweat, as it were, great drops of blood in Gethsemane's garden. And as He hung on the tree and that blood fell from His body to the ground, your sin was put away. He was exceeding sorrowful even unto death. But the sin which was laid on Christ didn't remain there. No, He took it away. It remains no more. And if Christ is your Lamb, you need not ask, well, where is my sin? (laughs) Well, the sacrifice of Christ as the Lamb of God has made an end of sin. And He's brought in an everlasting righteousness. Now dwell on that. This is a gospel worth believing. This is a gospel worth living for and worth dying for. He taketh away the sin of the world. Our Lamb's atoning sacrifice, though offered once, it's perpetual in its effect. It, it it never gives out. It just keeps coming and coming and coming. Mercy, it's His mercy endures forever. No other in all the world can take away sin but the Lamb of God. There's no sin that He cannot take away. There's no other sin bearer. There's no other atonement. There's no other satisfaction. No purgatory can a a veil to take sin away. I don't care how long you'd stay there. No eternal suffering in hell can pay the debt of sin. No bitterness or regret can take sin away. Only the Lamb of God can take sin away. Behold the Lamb of God. Look to Him and Him alone, which taketh away the sin of the world. Now, a lamb in the Scriptures always signifies a sacrifice. But the blood of an animal, whether a lamb, bull, goat, can never take away sin. It cannot atone for the sin of a man, not an animal sacrifice. All the lambs of the Old Testament were but pictures and types of the Lord Jesus Christ who is the Lamb of God. That's why we study the Old Scriptures. 
Old Testament Scriptures, to see Christ. Every time a lamb was brought to the altar, it was saying, there's one coming. Christ is coming. The Messiah is coming. He will suffer. He'll shed His blood. And He'll die. And beloved, we have a lamb. It's provided for us. He's provided for us. We don't point men to Bethlehem's manger. A lot of times at Christmas folks do. Oh, there's the baby Jesus. That baby Jesus in the manger can save anyone. Just knowing that won't save you. We don't point men and women to the cross. We point repentant sinners to the Christ of the cross. We point sinners to the Lamb that was slain on the cross. There's no effectiveness in the cross itself. It's just a piece of wood. It was an instrument used by men to crucify the Lord of glory. The mercy and grace of God is in the One who hung up upon the cross. Men are not saved about and by reading about the Lamb. <laughs> I was reading an article written by a devout man of religion, and this is what he said. I couldn't believe it. He said, God's grace and mercy are earned, not given to you. He said, I'm studying to show myself approved so I can accept more blessings. People tell on themselves, don't they? Then he went on to say, I'm on my 2,737th day of reading my Bible every morning. And I'm not sure what Bible that man's reading. But it's, it's not this one. Not this one. My Bible declares that we're saved by grace through faith. And that's not of ourselves. It's the gift of God. Isn't that what your Bible says? Not of works, lest any man should boast. And if you're boasting, which he was, which he was, 2,737 days of reading his Bible, if you're boasting in what you're doing or in what you've done, then you've not truly experienced the grace of God. The grace of God and the Gospel of Christ is the power unto salvation and it comes only one way. How? By beholding the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Are you looking to Christ? Are you beholding Him? Well, if so, it is well with your soul. Oh, may God be pleased to make it so for His glory, our good, and for Christ's sake. Amen.